learn from everything, just everything, every experience is an opportunity to learn something. Do, are you expected to volunteer a certain amount of hours mm. after hours for your job? And they're like, well, no. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to either. Right. Same thing. I'm not going to do some of this as volunteer. And I think that's the new normal. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, these are delays. I think this is just now our new lead times. Working with individual clients in their home. And I call it house healing. But all the things mm. that are irritants to you in your space or that are inefficient in your space, I love coming in and just checking those things off of a client's list. Hey, you guys, that's my guest today, Fiona Plett. And this is another podcast in self-determination. And we peer through the looking glass at how Fiona navigates her clients, how to get them on board with upcycling and repurposing and the associated costs of not using hollow corridors and what it's like to be a builder at the crossroads five years in. And if you're first time joining us, I'm Mike Kenoki. I'm a general contractor. I'm just leaning, hanging out, talking to all these cool people. But seriously, I own Straight Ahead Construction in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I have had an amazing ride in this construction business. But what's been more amazing is the last year of the ride on this podcast. Hope you guys stick around and listen to Fiona and I talk about her biz. Here's a couple more tasty bites. All right, so I lied. Post-production edit here. I just want to point out that Fiona is my friend and also mentor. I don't care that she's been in business for five years. She's my peer. We've been talking shop since season one of the pod. I'm even stealing one of her moves from this episode. Remember that. Peers and mentors may be one and the same. And check this out. Last week, Nick Thacker of Thacker Construction wrote and told me that he and his insulator had been talking about the podcast on Estimating with Michael Anchel. First, that made my day. But you guys, that's as grassroots as it gets. Are you telling your subs and colleagues about the pod? Are you guys discussing it? I'd love to know if you are. And thanks for your message, Nick. All right, you guys, iTunes reviews, smash that rating on Spotify. I, I don't mind reusing salvaged or recycled materials. If there's something that, I don't know, this door came from your grandma's old farmhouse and you just have hung on to it thinking you'd do something with it and you'd love to put it in your space because it's sentimental to you. Yeah, it's going to cost more to retrofit something, but for I've somehow developed this um, I guess, pool of, of clients and customers that um, that's important to them. As I'm driving around, I'm practicing my scripts. I'm having imaginary conversations so that I can say it without, I, I say it in a way that feels good for me to say, as well as the language makes sense. It's clear. There's a cost either way, right? For efficiency mm -hmm. and just keeping the job moving, sometimes then you waste material, which has a cost. Or if you actually want to salvage some of that or make sure that you're using up your scraps for something, then there's a cost of time spent sorting or stacking. Um, I think the first thing I would say is I was so reluctant to want to hire a bookkeeper because I just thought, oh, I like that seems I'm not that big yet. I can integ integrity of relationships. That's what it's all about. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Okay.
everybody, welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. Today, my guest is a solo operator remodeling and developing her business with all kinds of interesting ideas. It's Fiona Plett of Her Self-Contracting. Good to see you, Fiona. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on here. My pleasure. It's nice to finally meet you face-to-face, virtually. Oh, same. Yeah. Same. We've been babbling a little bit online about what we're up to. And you said you kind of drifted out of what you were doing in your remodels to do some commercial work with a relative that wanted you specifically to help, I believe is what was going on. And uh, mm-hmm. now, now you're back to your own thing. So having stepped away and now back to it, tell me one or two things that have really changed for you or become concrete in your brain about what you're doing. Um, I think the thing I missed while doing commercial work was um, obviously being the boss. <laughs> but <laughs> no doubt. I, yeah. No, but but it that said, more just um, the ability to um, just know all the all the parts and all the moving pieces, right? And it mm. was a large commercial job with a lot of other sub trades, so HVAC and plumbing and electrical and uh, metal guys. We had somebody else come do the metal cladding on the exterior, and just all the ordering and stuff like that. So, and it didn't necessarily affect my day to day, I showed up, I complete my tasks. It was good. It actually was a really fun working with, um, studs construction. That's my husband's nephew. And so we had a great like rapport on site and we did a lot. Yeah. It was just very good. We worked well. I think we collaborated well together. Um, but, uh, seeing, how many moving pieces on such a large job that are sort of always out of on the periphery for me. And so maybe you, you come sort of prepared to um, work on a specific thing and then oh, those doors didn't show up yet. So now, you know, always shifting. And, and so I think with smaller jobs for me, what I love about my smaller jobs is just, um, pre-planning them out they're small enough that you kind of can see the beginning to the end and you get there and you get into a flow and the flow doesn't as easily get interrupted and I I miss that just yeah Mm -hmm. so so yeah so I'm excited to get back into not so many jobs with not so many moving pieces and not so complicated uh working around other people's schedules or trying to schedule several other trades at once and just mm-hmm. kind of get in, hang with my customer, get my get my job done, and get out, and feel smooth. Uh huh. Um, you know, some days I think, man, it sure be just wouldn't it be easy just to go work for someone else and not have to make all these decisions? And then I think, nah, I like no. to be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to make the decisions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Coming back into it. Now you get to hang with your clients, but what did you like, you know, I, I always feel like when I separate myself, I always come back with a really fresh perspective. I, you know, I take off in the winter for a while and I'm always, the, my, the business is always in the back of my mind. I'm never really not working. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it's not how I operate. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way. But, but I feel like when I'm not physically working, 
and I'm away from it, I always come back with a different perspective or when you watch this operation, did it really help you with your, how you're going to approach your business this time? Do you feel like? I think so. I think, and, and the other thing that happened during this job, we started last fall and of course, everyone in construction out there knows that um, material delays, ordering everything, there's expected delays, which has now become the normal. Mm-hmm. And, and some of that um, was tricky to work through and for Chris to work through or to just deal with. And so I think the, the thing that I would now approach every job I do, big or small, and big for me would be like, eh, whatever, a bathroom remodel, maybe a month, you know, that's kind of my largest scope. Um, but to know that I have all my ducks in a row before I swing a hammer and start demolishing something to know that we've already pre-ordered and we have a either that we actually have our materials on site and available to us. I think that will be, would be something that I would just manage for myself differently and also helps manage the expectations of the, of the client for sure. There's less disappointments if you already know everything's ready. Yeah. It's brutal right now. I, you know, Used to be lead times were pretty normal. Now you're, you know, for a while, for a couple of years, I'm always calling just to be sure. Cause you never know, but now it's like six months for cabinets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot of planning way ahead for a, a kitchen remodel. Yeah. When you can't and so like, any- let's not rip out your old cabinets till those ones oh, yeah. are right in the warehouse at least (laughs) that's one that's one i caught on to pretty quick i tell people i've told people for a long time now i'm not starting until the cabinets are here and inspected there's no way i'm going to start this project Mm -hmm. and have a broken sink base Mm -hmm. because i can't do anything Mm -hmm. without without a sink base you know right your host yeah that's a that that those are valuable lessons we we definitely are getting out of this uh current situation and I think that's the new normal. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, these are delays. I think this is just now our new lead times for mm. some time to come. I don't know for how long. So I would just would operate with that in mind. Like, it's not like, oh, okay, could take longer. No, no, just it will. We will just plan for really long lead times. Yeah. What, 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 was, that you were, what was that you were saying before we got on about like when you're driving? <laughs> take a wrong turn and you get that little voice that comes oh, yeah. on recalculating recalculating yeah, yeah, yeah i it. say that all the time on the job <laughs> site now <laughs> yeah. that is you gotta it's a it's a constant pivot in this business it for is. sure and constant problem solving but you enjoy it i do i do i actually love one of my favorite things to do and what i missed i think is working with individual clients in their home and i call it house healing but all the things that are irritants to you in your space or that are inefficient in your space or that you've looked at for too long because you were going to finish it when you, after you moved in and you did your own little rental, whatever it is. I love coming in and just checking those things off of a client's list of irritants of, yeah, making their space functional. Um, enjoyable, pleasant, the space that they already exist in and they know how they use and they know how they flow through their space. Um, Yeah. I like helping them achieve that feeling of, okay, yeah, this is how I wanted it. That sounds really nice. Um, 
as a as a guy that's done a lot of remodels for years and had a crew, I would often take jobs maybe just to keep the crew busy. You know, I'm like, you know, I couldn't always pick and choose. And I don't always, they didn't always have clients who wanted their house healed. They're like, right. it's just way, it's they're, they're not that mindset. They're like, right. why isn't this done? Why aren't you starting? Uh, like, what, what do you mean? Like you, the vibe or whatever, you know, it's like, well, it's your house, <laughs> you know, like how do you want it to feel when you walk into it? There's, I guess there's just different kinds of clients. And, and so is what I'm getting at. And so how are you getting those kind of clients that really word want to work? Yeah. I think just word of mouth. You do mm. it. Like I, when I started, I started working for, and I know you've talked about this, friends and family, mm. right? And, but it was a good, it, for me, it was a very good experience. Um, and then that, that has just spread. It has just spread that, yeah, I will sit down with the client. We'll problem solve. We'll figure out something that works. I, I don't mind reusing salvaged or recycled materials. If there's something that, I don't know, this door came from your grandma's old farmhouse and you just have hung on to it thinking you'd do something with it and you'd love to put it in your space because it's sentimental to you. Yeah, it's going to cost more to retrofit something, but for, I've somehow developed this, um, I guess, pool of, of clients and customers that, um, that's important to them. It's important to them to either, yeah, not send things to the landfill that don't need to go to the landfill, or there's a, a, a mindset of upcycling that, um, most of my customers have, but it's because they've chosen me and I've chosen them. And we have a similar, I guess, sort of philosophy of, of waste in the construction industry and mitigating that. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's brutal sometimes watching how much crap we rip out of a house go yeah. away. And, um, and a lot of it can't be repurposed. And, no, and lots uh, of stuff is just garbage, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, but it's great to hear that you can, that you're finding these, uh, the people that want to do that kind of stuff. And because often it's cost prohibitive. Yeah. And that's something that I always do for sure. Try to let people know, like if I'm custom, if I'm, if you want to use this old door and I'm custom making a new door jam to be able to fit that for your space. And then we're ripping back drywall and we're repatching that. And then we have to redo all the trim. Like it will cost more than just going and buying a slab from Home Depot. But again, um, if that's what actually a person wants in their space, um, yeah, somehow I've managed to find customers that understand that and, and aren't like are willing to pay the extra and they'd rather pay for the labor than maybe extra materials that yeah i don't know yeah well I, it's it, yeah it, it definitely is way more labor intensive to reuse something or do anything custom mm -hmm. i i i when i was when i was younger i always struggled with clients getting on my back about it and, and i didn't have the language to talk to them i didn't mm -hmm. know how to talk at all about what i was uh experiencing while they're getting mad at me because I'm saying 
well, if you want me to make a custom bunk bed for your kids, well, in this remodel, it, I'm going to have three guys. You know, one guy's going to be making the ladder. I mean, the ladder you're describing is not cheap. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot of tools involved. There's a lot of shop time and reusing stuff and, and whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's a, can be a really difficult conversation. So, you know, what have you, how do you, I guess if your client, a lot of your clients already want that from you, but what if you need to, you know, have that conversation with someone who's not really ready for it? Like what tools do you use there? Um, I think language, it's kind of, you've spoken about this in podcasts too, which has encouraged me to create um, scenario scripts. Sounds Mm. really like dorky, but yeah, I sort of do. And I sort of, as I'm driving around, I'm practicing my scripts. I'm having imaginary conversations so that I can say it without, I, I say it in a way that feels good for me to say, as well as the language makes sense. It's clear. So, well, for example, recently I had someone who wanted to me to build a small garden shed for them, custom, a specific size and their um, understanding was, well, like my neighbor did that. He built his own and he said it was cheaper. Well, it is because he built his own. He, the, he didn't pay for labor, but also, um, so I just explained that, that mass producing something, something that's mass produced at a high rate in a factory will always cost less than a one of. If you're sewing, and I usually try to use, um, so this person actually sewed. So I was like, so if you're sewing and you're making like one t-shirt versus 10 t-shirts, all of the same pattern, instead of recreating that pattern every time or re, you know, remaking a pattern every time for yourself, you just cut 10, sew them together, right? It's, yeah. it's just faster. Any, anything you do on a larger uh, production scale always takes less time. So I try to use examples that people can relate to um, based on things that they experience in their own lives. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a, a hard one because she just couldn't grasp why that wouldn't be cheaper <laughs> for me to build it <laughs> myself. But, but I mean, we, we did talk it through and I did, I talked about labor costs, like the labor costs, the picking up the materials, all of that. I say, you know, Home Depot makes little garden sheds that really you will pay less if you just go buy one that already is that you can just yeah. kind of snap together. And so, your neighbor has so, one too. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, boxes. so conversations like that, trying to figure out how they can receive the information. Like, yeah, communication isn't just about saying the right thing. It's about how a person needs to receive the information in a way they understand and still feel respected or, you can, they still respect what you're saying. So yeah. practice, just practice, I guess. Yeah. It's a lot of practicing. And, and I, I think uh, with respect to scripts, nerdy is cool. I think it's a smart Thank idea. You. To practice. I'm glad you said that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I practice my scripts. <laughs> I had to, at some point I had to, I had a, I had a client that was just sneaky. He, he, <laughs> He just had one of those personalities. He could get around anything I was saying and I had to head him off. So, um, you know, one of the things I tell people with custom stuff is, is 
uh, there's not a jig for what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what you I like what you said with the t-shirt thing. That's a great example too, the mass production. But it's almost the same with the jig. Like I tell people, if you want us to sand this door down and paint it, it, it there's or and 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 like reframe it. There's not a jig. All the doors that we buy at the store are made on, in a factory. It's all just pumped out. And, mm-hmm. You know, you want you want you want my guy's hands on it. So we can do it either way, but you know, you want custom. I know that you'll be unhappy if, if you do this other thing. So that's a, I I really like the shirt example though. But what do you say when they still say, can you do it cheaper? No, I just say, no, I can't (laughs) actually, I actually can't. And then I say, but all the best with that project. (laughs) Then I, yeah, then I, cause, cause you can't. A, a firm no is good. And, and my latest one is telling people when you went to work yesterday, did your boss ask you to do it for less? Did they say, I want a discount today on labor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I put that, that usually shuts people up. Yeah. Not, I, not that time... I'm like trying to be mean and shut them up. But, <laughs> no, no, but, but, I... but sometimes people don't receive that. Right. So yeah. What, what I've used to was, um, you know, when you go to work, are you expected to volunteer a certain amount of hours mm. after hours for your job? And they're like, well, no. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to either. Right. Same thing. I'm not going to do some of this as a volunteer. That's yeah. Um, I did have, I had a conversation with a colleague. Um, it's a couple of years ago now, but it was one of those conversations because we sometimes people do, they want something done for less or, it's just, yeah. And they sort of push it a little. And, uh, I don't know if she's ever done this. She's also a a contractor here in the city, but we did talk about what would be kind of fun would be to then say, okay, I'm willing to make whatever, a couple hundred dollars less on this. If you're also at the end of the day, willing to donate that same amount that I deduct from my bill to a charity of my choice. Mm. And we thought, okay, that would be like a, maybe a, a fun social experiment, but I don't know if she's ever done it, but it was kind of a, a fun idea to brainstorm how, how do you answer? Yeah, exactly. How do you answer? And we, you know, I settled on just a firm no, but I think no is good. I, I, I think no I, is I, good because <laughs> then I, you negotiate something different yet. Right. Yeah. And one of the, and one of the things I try not to do with clients is to get like personal or too personal or like into something that could be political. Right. And, that's fair. And, and I believe you should, I believe you should donate to the charity of your choice. I do think you should give back to your communities, but, but it's complicated enough getting through a project without adding in other social aspects of, of life, you know? Right. Like, we don't all believe gotta, in the same. Yeah. Right. Sorry. And, no, no, no. And, and, and just wading into, wading into the culture wars and, you know, yeah, man, there's enough of that with your friends. You true. Know? True. <laughs> true. Yeah. We, yeah. Not all of us believe in the same causes for sure. So yeah. Yeah. But I, I, now I'm curious, I'm going to reconnect and see if she ever has tried that Yeah. <laughs> and how it went. <laughs> 
Um, so when you're doing this, re when you're doing a lot of repurposing of materials and stuff, are you coming into the house and giving them ideas or do they usually have ideas of their own? Uh, often it's a collaboration. It can sometimes start with a uh, customer saying, this is a sentimental item for me. And I have an idea that I'd like it in my kitchen. I, I recently did. It was an old, uh, it was a Hoosier cabinet. It would have been in like an old farm kitchen, has a bit of a counter, has a upper cupboard. There's a, usually like a flower bin in the bottom, but you mm -hmm. can take it apart and put it into two pieces. So she wanted to use the, the base and as an island in her kitchen, um, had an enamel top and then the upper as shelving in the kitchen. And so, but she was like, I don't know how it would look. I don't, can we take it apart? Can it like what would that even look like? And so then, yeah, we, we did it. We took it apart. We put nice big casters on the bottom so that she could roll a movable island with breaks and then uh, sort of reworked the upper so that we could hang it on the wall. And it mm -hmm. was worked out great. But so sometimes it's just, they, they'll have this vision or an idea and it's just up to me to figure out how to bring it to fruition for them. Okay, uh, now are you are you are you are you charging for 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 project planning and and that sort of work? Yeah, I usually um, for something like that, I would just charge hourly, and I would consider the consulting part of that or try mm -hmm. the the figuring it out as hours that I'm spent mm -hmm. on that mm -hmm. I've spent on that. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I sometimes do is collect. Um, items um, much to my husband's dismay our door mm -hmm. our basement was one time full of doors I had a, a door thing going on because I had a lot of customers that were interested in using old doors we have old housing stock here in Winnipeg and um, much of that has sometimes been remodeled and your typical hollow door from wherever big box store has been replaced the old original doors and so as I'm doing demolition in other places, I'm sometimes hauling home stuff that is still in good shape and good quality and, and good, yeah, good wood that I think will someday maybe be useful or be just the right thing for a customer. So sometimes it's worked out that I, or that I know a neighbor is renovating and they're looking for a certain old door. And so I'll just be the depot for, a lot of old, old, old trim, old fur trim. That's, you know, the big seven inch tall fur trim with the, the beautiful profiles and stuff like that. I'll all pieces of that home. And then when I know someone that's looking, then it's kind of fun to be able to produce. But in Winnipeg here, we also have, um, we have a couple of businesses that do the same when there's demolition happening in old warehouses or older buildings that are getting demolished. Um, there's a, a business called the Old House Revival Company. Mm. And so as a renovator, if I am working on someone's home and there's been a wall taken out or something and there's mismatched trim or there's a, a, a section that doesn't have trim that matches everything else, I can go to the Old House Revival Company and usually find seven or eight feet of what I'm looking for or 10 feet or whatever. So that is a cool resource to have here in our city as well, working with older older homes like and when I say older it's like 100 year old homes maybe kind of in Winnipeg 
uh-huh. around, you know, around early 1900s, a lot of the homes in the, in the area that I live in and work in were made, built. So, so yeah, so we, I can still find that old material as well, which is nice. And if I can't, then we make it. Cool. I, I, I really like that you're conscientious about waste and it's a brutal part of our industry. And, and when I was running a crew, it was incredibly hard because, because we we're doing really large scale remodels and I was just watching dumpster after dumpster leave driveways and mm-hmm. wishing there was, and a, it ta- wishing there was, go ahead. Uh, no, sorry. I interrupted you. Just, it, I was just going to say it, it, there is a cost to recycling or there's a cost either way, right? For efficiency mm-hmm. and just keeping the job moving, sometimes then you waste material, which has a cost. Or if you actually want to salvage some of that or make sure that you're using up your scraps for something, then there's a cost of time spent sorting or stacking. And then there's a cost to that too. So I kind of look at it like either way, there's a certain amount of waste. So I can, yeah, I can... I can either waste time or waste money, <laughs> but I think it, it sort of, it's, it works out even either way because yeah. the customer, the customer will pay for your efficiency because they pay for materials that then, and you know, like you have, maybe you buy extra sheets of drywall so that you can have less seams. The customer still pays for that drywall. Mm-hmm. So they can pay for that drywall that goes to the garbage, or they can just pay me for more time to tape a few more seams and use, use up the smaller cutoffs or whatever. Mm-hmm. They pay the same. I guess that's my point. I said that really in a very roundabout way that was maybe hard to follow, but I think the customer pays the same either way. I either spend. Yeah. I think everybody out there fully understands what you said. Don't okay. worry about it. Like it's a, it's a, that's just how we all communicate in, a, in our own way. And, and, and words aren't always like, I'm not always the best with my words. For instance, I, I, it's a challenge for me to talk to clients sometimes because I, I can be very roundabout because I'm, I'm seeing it and I'm trying to like tell people what I'm seeing in my brain. And mm-hmm. some people don't think like that. And they're looking at me like, this is the guy with all the five-star reviews. What, <laughs> like who, what, what just happened? So I, I, I often have to stop and just say, it's very busy up here and I'll, I'll get it out eventually. <laughs> so I, one thing I don't recall is how long you've been your own business. So my own business about five years okay, and in construction, probably close to 10 years before that now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Time, time flies. Um, mm. so worked for a few other contractors. Um, always my husband also, he was a framer and had moved into remodeling roughly about that same time that I got into working construction, um, have worked for him, have also worked for another, uh, contractor that we both know doing a lot of kitchen and bathroom remodels. So I mm-hmm. learned an awful lot um, from both. Both of them worked sure. for Dave longer than I worked for James, my husband. I got tired of bossing me around. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I said, I'll work for someone else. Um, 
but uh and then did a stint at, at the Manitoba Children's Museum work being doing exhibit carpentry um exhibit technician setting up exhibits and stuff like that being their in-house carpenter there for a while and that was a really cool experiencing experience working with a lot of different types of uh materials that you don't necessarily work with in residential renovation so that was fun and then uh was just always being asked if I would do little side jobs on weekends for people I know or neighbors or somebody else, like just through the grapevine. Mm -hmm. um, and so thought, you know, I think I could be busy enough to do this on my own. So mm -hmm. just took a leap so, of faith and did it. Um, so in that five years, what would you tell someone because five years is like a was like a marker for me. And I know we've talked about this a little bit. What would you say that maybe one or two things that you didn't know at the beginning, two or three years ago, you're like, boom, this is so important to what I'm doing right now. Um, I think the first thing I would say is I was so reluctant to want to hire a bookkeeper because I just thought, oh, I like that seems... I'm not that big yet. I can manage it, but just do it. Just hire, hire a bookkeeper. It's, uh -huh. it's simple. They, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can just every quarter take your step. Like it's, yes. it's, it's not actually complicated and it's not a lot of extra work. It's way less work. <laughs> listen, listen to Fiona, you guys. <laughs> um, they're efficient at it because I have spent so many evenings and weekends trying to catch up on just input book, bookkeeping and things like that. And just even sorting that. Yeah. I can't get those days or hours back. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. You can't get that time back and, yeah. and you, yeah. you didn't get any, you, you're not a CPA. So you, you're not going to get like better at it. If you're going to be better at it, you should go be a CPA or a bookkeeper. Right. You don't need to, right. you don't need to relearn tax laws and you know exactly and they're just, fast they're fast yeah, that yeah. same those the same amount yeah. of time that it would take them like a half a day would be like three saturdays for me or something so so it's it's just silly of me to be stubborn yep you could work and you could work just a you know a few days to pay that off and mm -hmm. it would take you a lot of time so mm-hmm and that, that um, my time, my free time is value, more valuable than spending it bookkeeping. There you go. Yeah. That's listen a big to, one. Listen to Fiona. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, that's oh, the, huge. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah. and then the other thing is um, you don't need all the tools, right, to start. You just need mm. what you need. And I would say plan your jobs around like pick your jobs when you start so that you know you'll be successful and you don't need to spend an extra thousand dollars in just the right tools for that. So if you don't have tiling tools, don't and a tile wet saw or whatever, don't pick that as your first job. <laughs> yeah. Rent that. <laughs> but stuff pick something. First. Yeah. Rent it at first. Or um, we have a great little, um, if you know people in construction that are willing, I, we, I have a great little community of other contractors, just small, a small little group of us that, I mean, not everyone needs a jackhammer. Not everyone needs scaffolding, 
Not everyone needs a paint sprayer, um, but between us all we have. And so if it costs $90 a day at Home Depot to rent it out, we'll just rent it to each other for like half, half price. And so to, to find a group of people that, that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily work in every circle, but if, if I know with these guys, if something goes wrong, they'll replace it or we'll, we'll work something out. So I'm not worried about it. Um, but yeah, that's been also really that the stress of buying a whole bunch of tools, um, just rent them or having that, that huge mass amounts of expense that you have to spend to start. You, you really don't. Yeah. I think you need to, I think you need to buy your essentials for sure. If you need mm -hmm. it, you have to, you have to buy it. It'll pay for itself in, 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 in a couple hours, most of the time. Yes. Yeah. But there is a balance you have to strike between buying all the new stuff. We were just talking about a wet saw in my, in, a, in an interview I just did. And I was so proud when I bought my, my DeWalt wet saw, uh, because I was doing enough bathroom remodels at that point that I said, you know what, I'm just doing this. This is, I've got this piece of junk. I don't know what it was. And I can't do good work without a good tool. And so, but I, I moved cautiously through that. But as a, here's the thing, as a, as a general contractor like me that had a crew or when I was more doing what you're doing, solo operating, but still, still doing all of the work, you need a wide variety of tools and it's tricky which ones you should buy because like a framer doesn't need when a framer says I'm buying all the tools. It's not the same as, as a, a general contractor slash handyman type person. Who's actually going to do the wiring, the plumbing, blah, blah, blah. You're doing drywall. You're, you, you know, you own a much, a much more broad or potentially a much more broad variety of tools. Right. right. So That's like you true. got, not, and you got, you got, you got, you got to keep knives. them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep them somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so that stupid, that. that stupid shed I built, you know, it's packed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not big enough. You know? and, and yeah. And my trailer's packed. Everything's packed. Everything's. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it's a good point. Um, and I guess so, that, that brings me to my crossroads of like, yeah, was, wow, I, was, I am tired of hauling all of this. And, and I know now enough other tradespeople. um, to be able to do a job and sort of collaborate. Like I know a great painter. I almost never paint anymore. She does immaculate work. So that's who I, that's who I, and I quite often, I mean, just in, in, in how I operate, sometimes I just tell the customer when I'm done, just call Krista. She'll come in and, and give you a price and figure it out. And, and they yeah. can just deal with her direct. Right. Yeah, I can I can relate to the builder at a crossroads for sure. And that five year mark was it for me when I was like, I started hiring, I started hiring out some subs, um, thinking about employees. And, you know, you mentioned a couple things, you know, coming back into it that you're going, wow, I'm kind of exasperated. Like there's I'm over, you know, there's so much. Like what direction, what what do you see at this crossroads? What do you need? Vacation? Um, more subcontractors? Oh, I don't know the answer to that yet. 
but mm. uh, I don't think of vacation. I think it is um, just deciding what are what are the things that I what what are the aspects of a of a renovation or whatever. Do I love trim work best, or do I love mudding and taping, mm. or um, yeah, and just sort of streamline myself a little bit and and get really good at the couple things and what I actually love is variety also. So Mm -hmm. that's always a bit of a, a, I guess that's why I find myself at this crossroad (laughs) because it is, it's hard. It's hard to know. I still want to do the things that I will be most efficient at for my customer. Um, The things that I enjoy, the things that I'm successful at, I always want to be able to walk away feeling it was, it was successful for, both me and my client. Yeah. I, but I think probably streamline, streamline and just uh, dial some of those other things that I just do maybe once or twice a year, just dial that back to zero. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I fully relate on keeping it interesting. I, I never saw myself specializing. I thought about it, but doing one thing, would be, I could never, I could never mud tape and paint. Like, I don't even, I don't really ever want to do it again. I'm glad there's people. Out there. <laughs> I remember that post you put up. <laughs> You're standing on a platform in the middle of a yeah, yeah. drywall. Oh, no, my, I'm like, those are on my, I was on my stilts. On oh my yeah. Stilts that's it. That was the one, that was, that was my, my, my second house. And I was just like, wow. Like three weeks to mud and tape it by myself. I appreciate the variety aspect of things. And, and one of the things you mentioned recently is you took a timber framing class, I believe. And oh, like how are you going to incorporate was, that? Right. Yeah. That was um, very life giving. That was, I don't know, but I want to incorporate that. I won't ever build a timber frame house. I can't imagine, not certainly not by myself, but I can see myself offering some timber frame detail over an entry of a house or a garden gate or a pergola or something that that would be I loved the just working with the rough timbers with hand tools you just have to slow down you have to be super precise if you it was a traditional style timber frame Um, we learned the square rule layout so everything fits together exactly perfectly then you can just pop it all together and it will be square and come together perfectly if you've done your cuts and your notches and your tenons perfectly and so that was kind of just an uh, it was very cathartic to just slow down a little bit take the time to be really precise to just work with the wood to use the hand planer and the chisels I mean there is there is tools you can get for mortising for sure um and we did use some of those as well, but on like a really small project, if you were doing some just detail work, I think, yeah, I think I would just really love that. So I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how I will incorporate that. I, I well, I, I have an idea. We have to redo our own front porch. So I think I'll start there and do a project for myself using that. And then, and then just kind of see if that goes somewhere. Cause I could see myself really moving into exploring that. Well, it seems to go hand in hand with repurposing and house healing and, you know, it seems like a great direction. And, and making one ofs. Like I, yes, 
Yeah. Yeah. And so as I, as we're talking, which, yeah, I'm just kind of processing and thinking, yeah, I actually don't mind, or I, maybe that will be um, how I streamline. Why do skilled trades matter? <laughs> They're necessary. Period. We all need to live in something. Check. Uh, what do you value most? Oh, how do you mean? I know it's a tough one. Like that is a tough one. I know. I hate when people turn and, it back and, on me and I'm like, this wow. is my podcast. <laughs> I ask the questions. <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to answer one or two as well. <laughs> in life, relationships, I would say. And in business, probably the same thing. Integ integrity of relationships. That's what it's all about. In your vast experience and wisdom, what's one piece of advice you have for the up and coming? Learn from everything. Just everything, every experience is an opportunity to learn something. Who's your mentor? Um, I've, I, I have a couple. Because I, I hear you ask this of other people. I've sort of been passively pondering. Mm. So one of my... I'll, I'll say my first mentor. My first mentor was my shop teacher, Bob Barton. Um, and so I'm, I grew up, I did school in the 70s and early 80s. I'm old. And so that was when like uh, girls did home ec and guys did shops. And not that it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't written in stone. Cause I got to the place where I was like, so I think I'd like to take shops. And Mr. Barton said, okay, there we go. I'm in shops. So super cool, super just, and one of the things I, I think the biggest thing I ever learned was from him was just problem solving period. Um, I'd come to him and, you know, kind of want to do this. Great. Figure it out. You can mm. do it. Like just Kate, figure it out. Tell me how you're going to do it. And then, Yes, you can do that as your final project or whatever. So, yeah, he was just always a, yeah, if you can figure it out, you can do it. That's really cool. I think that's a common issue is with teaching is not letting people problem solve, not letting them fall down. My shop class, we were definitely very restricted. It was, a, it was I, I don't remember much about it because it was so long ago, but I do remember that we're very limited on the tools we could use, but I see what people are doing now with their shop classes. And I think it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah. I also took home ec. I think we were required to take both those. Yeah. We went through grade, I feel like grade seven, we had to do a semester of each uh -huh. or something. Um, yeah. I really like to cook. So I loved home ec class. I thought it was really fun. Um, okay. Now it's the speed round. Okay. Best joke. Oh, tell my favorite joke from when I was a kid. Okay. Where do jellyfish get their jelly? From Got ocean me. currents, of course. <laughs> oh, nice one. Okay, I'm going to guess your favorite tool. I should know this from seeing your work. I should just know it. But is it your, is it your six-inch knife? No, but it's the 18 inch one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's cool. I've only got a 15. I don't have an 18. And you can have it, obviously. <laughs>
That's cool. Yeah, I would like to get uh, like the 24 or 36 or whatever that would be, 32 or whatever they got there. I mean, all the different ones make different lengths for skimming, but. Yeah, yeah. what is my, my, my boy Billy does, that's the big stuff. And he, oh, I can't remember what he, I can't remember what he's got a nickname for it, but when he's, you know, scraping the wall, it's, it's fun to watch and he's pumped and he loves it. Mm-hmm. that's the thing i love that there's people out there that want to make a flat wall for me right <laughs> yeah thank thank you thank you thank you smooth yeah. ceilings yeah i love yeah yeah no 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 making that ceilings. happen yeah yeah oh, good yes i'm fortunate we're all fortunate to have you guys um what is your most useful tool that little it's called the different thousand different things, a little multi-tool oscillating little tool. It's I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. The multi-tool love it. And yes, it has many nicknames. My form, my old former would na- have a different name for it every year. Be like, can we, <laughs> and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking are you about? Talking about? <laughs> Sometimes we just make that sound. Yeah. 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 The buzz, the buzz tool. The, it, was, yeah. it was definitely the buzz tool for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah um okay the where have you been on my life tool i will also say that multi-tool that was uh, definitely uh, oh, oh, oh changing her oh, mind no yes i am yes i am so recently um this will be longer longer and maybe less interesting than i intended to be but <laughs> <laughs> my stiletto i mm-hmm. when i turned 50 my husband bought me a stiletto mini 14 and I love it. I love the, the nail. I love it. I love, I can swing it all day. I love it. And it was recently stolen. And so it's, yeah. Like I literally almost cried. I missed my hammer. Mm-hmm. Wait, stolen like by a subcontractor? Stolen, no, you know, I had just in the last month here, I was unloading tools on a Friday night. I never leave tools in my truck, like not in the bed of my truck, but just in the back seat. And I was unloading and I got distracted and came in and ate. And, and then when I went back out, the doors open and a bunch of other tools were all oh. gone. I know. That sucks. Including, yeah. Oh, it so sucked. Anyways. I hate when I hear people's tools getting stolen. I'm such a, I, some, for some reason, have a lot of faith in humanity still. And I just don't think people are going to do stuff like that, but it happens all the time. It does. Yeah. Lesson learned, but yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the last season, Sasha Cass has changed her, where have you been on the live tool tool stiletto too. After her first answer, I listened to hers. Yeah, <laughs> that was really oh, she's funny. Great. Yeah, that was that was a crack up. Um, okay, best job site snacks. Oh, Lily Stone Cafe's cinnamon buns, hands down. Okay. Yeah, that is very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, where where does one uh, find this product? This product is in Rosenort, Manitoba at the little mm. Lily Stone Cafe. And the baker there makes the best cinnamon buns. And recently they started doing rhubarb cinnamon buns. And I hear that they're, when a strawberry season comes around, they will do strawberry cinnamon buns. Mm. Like strawberry in the, yeah, mm. that gooey part. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds pretty good. I, and Yeah, it'll get you through a day. <laughs> 
Right. Just eat, eat slowly. Mm -hmm. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Cinnamon bun. <laughs> You're serious, serious about your cinnamon bun. Very. Uh, best job site jams. Oh, Survivor's Eye of the Tiger has got to be top of the list for me. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And if that's playing while you're working, you can also just check off that you have already worked out also in your day. Okay. Because that's what's happening in the back of my head when I hear that song. I am killing it. It is a privilege to be able to work and listen to music. Like that's one of the greatest things is like being in the groove of a project and listening to the tunes you want. Like nothing mm -hmm. could be better. Um, this is the point when I'm going to ask you what someone else asked me to ask you. And then you're going to ask a question. Okay. So um, Tom Lawson of Straight Upstairs asked, if you could do anything in life, anything, hobby, whatever it is, what would it be? Just ride motorcycle all the time. Check. All the time. What question would you have for another guest? Um, you may have asked this before, but if you knew now, if you knew when you were like in high school or whatever, what you know now, what, what would you have done differently? Yeah, that's like when it. you were that's... just entering your thing. Yeah. I will, I will ask direct. If, if you knew then what you know now, and you know, I, I, I use that to describe the show when I started working through my script of the introduction to the podcast last year, but that's what one of the, the guys who used to throw stuff down at me that was cut wrong. Mm -hmm. When I, when I <laughs> got licensed, it was a general and he was like, you, and then, you know, I'd see him around and he'd be like, man, you like, he's like, but you actually did it. And I thought that it was like a high compliment. I mean, he's yes. a friend, you know, but, but that is a, it's incredible, right? That hindsight. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I try not to be like, I just try to be like, okay, well then what will I do now moving forward? Knowing yeah. now what I know yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not, not it's to, not, not, not to, to, not to lament. Yeah. Not, not, it's not, it's not about the despair. No, it's about the, it's about using it as a tool, right? Yes, yes. Another most useful tool. Um, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Yeah, Blake from No Homes About It. Hey, Blake, love your stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. He's another Manitoban. Just cool. know him through IG, but I love uh, his work and uh, I love his style. I love cool. his vibe. Right on, Blake. Keep it up. Hey, do you think that the people listening today should leave us a review on iTunes or a rating on Spotify? Oh, of course. Like, but a good one. <laughs> you hear that, you guys? Let's get on it. Listen to Fiona once again. Fiona, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Today, I want to give a shout out to Sarah Bean, who left me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
Cannot say enough good things about what this podcast is covering. Over the past few years, I've been searching for discussions like this. Highly recommend for anyone new and want to improve and hear stories from your peers or anyone experienced and just driven to always explore and do better. Thank you so much, Sarah, wherever you are. And everyone out there, I hope that inspires you to go to iTunes and write a review for the pod. It's time. Don't just write bad reviews about restaurants with poor service. That's old. Write five-star reviews for awesome construction podcasts. Seriously, though, if you felt affirmation today, fantastic. That's what we're here for, building a better building community. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and that review you just wrote. All right, that's all I got. Later. Like I've learned so much from just listening to you have conversations with other people. And even when you guys head down little rabbit trails or whatever, it's like, oh yeah, I, I needed to hear that too. So I'm glad, yeah. you know, if, if you did, you know, just because it is, I want to hear their experiences and their thoughts and their, how they deal with issues.